You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Welcome back to the Batuta Advocate Radio Show. You're with Clancy Overall and Errol Parker here. We are very excited. Today's guest is a recurring guest, second time appearance, Mr. Former Australian of the Year, Dylan Alcott. Thank you for joining us. I prefer washed up Australian of the Year. Yeah, actually, washed up. Rather uh, than former. <laughs> Boys, thank you for having me back. Also very nice that you've got my name on your shirt today. Yep, Dill and friends. Yeah, you know, I reckon a good title for you is the embattled former Australian of the Year. Or yeah. the controversial form of Australian of the Year? No, yeah. I'm washed up tennis player, washed up Australian. I'm yeah. looking for a job. Washed up so athlete. Maybe, yeah, washed up athlete. So maybe I, I could maybe I could join you boys. Yeah. What's this shit? Before we get into the life and times of Dylan, what is this um, thing I saw? Like, are you acting now? I'm trying to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've always had a bit of a thirst to give it a crack, and mm-hmm. I don't want to be that you know, athlete who can't act, trying to act. Yeah. So I've actually been proper doing some lessons and trying to do it properly, which I'm really enjoying with a, with a woman from New Zealand called Miranda Harcourt and got a couple of little opportunities. I don't know if I'm any good, but I'm trying to. But one reason, I've always had a thirst for it as well because I hate able-bodied people playing, playing, playing people in wheelchairs. <laughs> Because I can't do the opposite. Oh, right? I can understand. I can't get up and stand up. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I know. Yeah, I want to give it a crack. Yeah, you see, I mean, very rarely will you see an actor that good that they can do it right. Like, I think a young Leo probably gets good raps for uh, eating Gilbert Grape. Yeah, yeah, and then there was Warney and Kath and Kim. You know, that's uh, it's <laughs> yeah, a tried it path. Yeah, exactly. It works. It works, yeah. If you can so, get it right. Uh, let's, let's hope we all go to the Oscars. If I go to the Oscars, you boys can come. Is yeah, please. Please. Now, Dill, what's going on? Ability Fest, I want to talk about this. Last time we spoke, you were very much still an athlete. You know, we were talking about how you prepare for a fucking tennis match. You weren't just an athlete at that point. You were also a a radio announcer. You were very much a media identity, but you were still very much an athlete. The Victorian version of Wally Lewis. Yeah, yeah. you were. You were reading the weather, playing sport. Now you're not that. You've pulled the pin. Can I just say that was such a graceful retirement? You know, you, t- saying it's it's time for me to hand over the torch. I, I think you effectively said that you know, no one wants to chase a good time, um, <laughs> and there's plenty of people to come through underneath me. It became clear then that you were onto bigger and better things, and and we, we get that we interviewed Matty Rogers about this, and he said the key to being an athlete for him was knowing that your best years are ahead of you. And did did you feel that the moment you kind of rolled off? I did, mate. Yeah, and look, it's a product of working your ass off. Yep. So, you know, when, when I was a Paralympian, disabled athletes didn't make shit. Yeah. No one knew anything about us and that. And so I, you know, I went to uni and started forging a bit of a way in, in media just to, you know, get a job and mm-hmm. things like that. And, and then I realized that I really enjoyed it. But to be honest, the main reason why I'm doing what I'm doing now is not, is not me. It's mm-hmm. everybody else. Like the way that our country, people have changed their own perception of disability to provide mm-hmm. those opportunities. Even think about when, remember when the three of us spoke last time? It was like, you know, I was like begging to come on the podcast. It was like massive, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like huge in in the sense that there wasn't that many disability voices out there and there need to be more. And the reason I'm doing it now is all the people with disability that came before me so I can do it. Mm -hmm. But it just feels normal now, doesn't it? Yeah. Like when you turn on TV and you see representation, it feels a lot more normal and and that's pretty cool. And um, mate, 
I just get up every day and ask myself, how can I live out my purpose? My purpose is to change perceptions so people with disability can live the lives they deserve to live. I'll ask you, do I need to win one more Australian Open to do that? No. Probably not. Probably so not. I, that's why I, I stopped and I have not hit one tennis ball since that day. Zero. <laughs> I would not could not pay me enough. So, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it, boys. I really am. And I'm just, you know, we'll get into it, but all the other stuff that we're doing now, I'm loving it, mate. And, yeah, I don't think I'll be – don't think I'll be making a comeback in a third sport, put it that way. Yeah. I mean, personally, aside from everything you've done and everything you're doing now, and we can talk about Ability Fest in a second and, and all the other work, the good work you're doing around the country, just, you know, as Dylan Orcott, you made sure that there were certain places – that you were the first person in a wheelchair to visit. I'm even thinking, were you the first bloke in a wheelchair and revolver? I reckon there was people before me, <laughs> yeah. but I definitely am the first person to get the na- the staircase named after. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, it's. I think they've still got the badge there, the Dylan Alcott Memorial Staircase. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's also why we did a Ability Fest. The reason that I have been able to do so many different things that – might not have been accessible or inclusive is because I had bloody awesome mates, like ripping mates. And like the three of us have been to festivals before, right, together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know you guys don't like getting a G up, but do you remember how much he has to help me around? Like you literally were like holding my hands, pulling me up hills and things Mm. like that. And without that support, mate, I'm I'm not going there, Mm. right? And that's why I am so lucky that I've experienced so much because of the people around me and Mm -hmm. I just want to provide that for more people with disabilities so they can yep. have bloody opportunities to get out there and enjoy it. And yeah, but, um, you know, I've done some seriously dumb shit, that's for sure, and got carried in places I shouldn't have, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm glad I came out the other side. Yeah. But I do remember you were, you know, you're a gold medal Olympian and there was, it was still only a couple of years ago, you, you find yourself sitting on the plane that forgot to bring your wheelchair back. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, exactly. And the, those kind of gaps are the ones you've you've had to tackle and you've had to fucking I mean, I say gaps, it's probably it, it's a lot worse than that. Being left alone on a, <laughs> on an airplane's more than a gaff and it's and some would argue that it's discrimination. Are you finding those little things you know, are you seeing those things being ironed out in, you know, day to day life in Australia? Oh, a long way to go. I'm an optimist, so obviously it is getting better. I think the more perception change you have, the more people care about it and understand mm-hmm. it, so they're less likely to sideline. However, I always remind myself of this. I gotta be careful. It still happens to me. Yep. If not weekly, I try and get a some kind of car service. Mm-hmm. They drive off because I'm in a wheelchair. Yep. I try and get on a plane, and they don't let me on because I'm in a wheelchair. That mm-hmm. happens to me. Yep. And when they realise it's me, yep. what do they do? Give me wine and whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> imagine what's happened to a forty-year-old lady with MS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah. girl with cerebral palsy. Yeah. Or someone with someone who can't tweet up. You know. Yeah. And. I remind myself of that, mate, all the time. Yeah. And, and it really hurts when it happens to me still. And I'm thinking, fuck, this happens every day to people. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's a constant mission and things like that. But in a, it's not about calling people out. It's about calling in. Because yep. you don't – I find it's hard to get things done if you're just abusing people online because yep. yeah. you become radioactive. And you know that as well. Yep. It's all about co-design, getting people on the journey with you mm-hmm. so they realize because they care about it then. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and that's the way that I go about it. Not everyone's the same. Other people love – Get not, and we need a bit of everything. We need different kinds of advocacy on the on the spectrum, yeah. and that's just the way that I go about it. And I think it's a bit of a team effort, and there's some awesome people doing some good shit out there. Tell us about the role of Australian of the Year. You know, you, you obviously came in the wake of the unsinkable Grace Tame. Yeah. Big shoes to fill. And, 
Effectively, you're coming in. You're coming in as an advocate. She was an advocate. You're coming in as an advocate. <laughs> Were you thinking there while you're preparing to, you know, take the title from her? You're like, oh, I guess I also have to scorch the earth behind me because you know we've seen some big changes post Grace Tame, and we have seen some big changes post Dylan Orcott. But were you thinking that? Like, oh, I've got to step up following Tamey? Yeah, metaphorically step up. Um, yeah. I think um, <laughs> I uh, firstly was really grateful that when I reached out to Tamey, we became mates, right? right? Just to get a bit of vibe. And I've actually also caught up with the new Australian guitar and same thing, mm-hmm. just to pass on, you know, that knowledge of what it was like. She did an incredible job and she's an incredible person, Tamey, really is. And I was really lucky that, you know, that when I did reach out, we caught up and had that chat. We went about it in, in, in different ways, or different ways of, of, of trying to get our, our point across. And I had no idea what I was doing. Yep. I, mean, I still didn't know what I did. Like, I was just trying to be myself. And it was a good, you know, lesson that I learned is there must be a bloody reason that you got it, right? Yep. And I had yeah. real imposter syndrome because mm-hmm. I was like, what the fuck? How did I win this? Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not like, I was up against Patty Mills. Yeah. yeah I'm like, he's one of my heroes. Yeah, yeah. And I was yeah. like, Patty Mills is going to win. And then I got to the Australian of the Year Awards and I saw one of the best looking ramps I've ever seen in my life. And I went, <laughs> and I went, Paddy Mills doesn't need that. Yeah, yeah better, better log on the sports bet now, mate. In the off season, <laughs> maybe, I mean, I if he's getting his everyone. hammies done. Yeah, yeah, unless he's done his hammy over in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, so what I did realise is I was just going to go about it in my own way, and my way is just being myself, right? Talking about things that I'm passionate about, trying to do my best, and you know what? I had no idea if I was going to get things done or not. All I could do is just do my best and have a crack. I think the biggest, the biggest change in a positive way was every single person that I walked past in the street stopped and said congratulations. Yep. And that's not an exaggeration. Everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was so humbling and incredible. But that also came with everybody had an opinion of what you were doing. Yeah, so yeah, sure. I, I'm really lucky that I came from a sporting place where, and you guys know this, you get abused on Twitter every day. Oh, like, yeah. You know, and it's... You know, it hurts originally, but then you just laugh and you're like, you know, I don't know these people, whatever. They can yeah. call me a cripple or whatever they want to say and go yeah. for it. But, it's but, the type of stuff that if they saw you at the pub, they wouldn't look at you. You know, yeah, like they wouldn't exactly say Exactly right. Yeah. And if they did, that's ballsy. And I'd be like, hey, yeah. you must hate me. Let's have a chat. <laughs> that's you. visceral hate. Jeez, I better, I better listen to this bloke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> like, I Sorry. Promise you I'm not a bad bloke. Let's have a beer. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But that, that was probably the biggest. And, and it's, it's, you know, I said the same thing to the New Australia, just, you know, there's going to be a lot of noise, just do the best that you can. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it's also important not to, sounds counterintuitive, but not try too hard, yeah. right? Yeah. Just, you don't have to go out there and like, I didn't wake up and go, how am I going to be Australian of the Year every day? I just got up there and I'm going to be myself. What, what I didn't account for was I spent 245 days on airplanes, wow. which is a lot. Yeah. And it was yeah. awesome. And I'm so grateful for it, but it, I did run out of juice at the end. Yeah. And a good lesson to anyone is, I probably burnt the candle from both ends and I didn't, I lied to myself that I was okay. Yep. And I ran out of gas at the end. You weren't, really you weren't an athlete anymore either. You were able to have a few schooners after, yeah. uh, after a keynote. No, yeah, like- well, we, I remember we did the, what did we do? The G, the GQ awards. And then I went home and did two keynotes in Melbourne. And then I went back to the Ari, saw you again. I saw you these, you know, we were everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you saying 13 more days to go, mate. 13 more days. I was, to go. I was on the countdown. <laughs> yeah. No, how quickly does being named Australian of the Year change your life? I mean, like you go to the ceremony in Melbourne and then you get named, like, do you go back to the QT afterwards and be like, all right, so. I've got a whole new itinerary for this year. I can't go 
on holidays in July, I can't do this, I can't do that. Like, how much does it change your life? Look, initially when I won it, I won my semi-final at the Australian Open, and then I tried to find out if I was going to win because otherwise I didn't want to go because I had the final the next day and they yeah. wouldn't tell me. And then I'm like, look, if I win Australian of the Year, I can't do the winning speech with no pants on on Zoom in bed. Like, you know, it's like it's a big moment. So I actually flew up and then obviously won and then flew back that night and then played the final the next day and yeah, that's right. got my ass kicked, got pumped, yeah. right? <laughs> and I wouldn't change it. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. change it because of what it meant hopefully for people with disability, but you know, it was a pretty cool thing. I don't want to discredit it, but you tell me otherwise, but the day before and the day after I won Australian of the Year, I'm the same Dylan. Yeah. I don't need to win some kind of award to, you know, live out my purpose and try and, you know, support people with disability, whatever. In saying that, what an incredible platform to mm. be grand. You know? mm. And that's why we were getting 200 requests every day for like speaking and appearances <laughs> all around the country. That, that's so cool. Like. Charities, hospitals. I went. I went on country with some traditional owners and, and met people with disability from like indigenous communities who do not get enough support. Yep. Right? They get nothing. And I was like, why have I not been here? Like, I've, yeah. I'm a dickhead. Like, I need to do more. And so many opportunities opened up, and I've got so much more to do yep. in so many places. But it's an award, not a role. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. But that's crap because a lot of things come. Yep. You know and. I just tried to make the most of it any way that I can. And I still don't know if I did a good job, but all I did was just try and do my best around, you know, education and employment and, and representation. And, and you need people to support you. And like, that's why I've, I fucking love you too, because you've supported me back in heydays when, to be honest, all of us were nobodies really, yep. weren't we? Remember? Yep. Remember you had like 50,000 followers on yep. these guys are funny on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then we started doing this stuff and, yeah. and, and it's, it's pretty cool to reflect, but it's definitely a team effort to get there. I remember hearing, uh, I can't remember who it was, maybe it was Killer Mike or someone, and I'm, I'm not at all uh, comparing, you know, American civil rights to the work you do, but I remember him saying, our friends change, our problems remain, which I thought was interesting in a political sense. You know, he, he was effectively saying, doesn't matter who's in charge, we're still going to come at them. And I feel like that's an interesting thing. Your advocacy is very different because you work with, all right? There's some people that need to burn the place down. Uh, yep. You know, and, and, and I feel like your strategy was working with you. You saw a change in government and you've been effectively doing the same thing before and after Australian of the Year, but as Australian of the Year, you saw a change of government. So what was your approach when it was time to start talking about accessibility and representation and employment? How do you do that? You know, you've got potentially, I mean, we, we saw Scott Morrison change replaced by Albanese. You could have just said, oh, I'll just wait till this bloke's done and we can start fresh. But you, you got to work with that government. And what was your strategy there? Because you've obviously, you've got to bring the same energy to both. Yeah, look, I'll work with anybody who's yeah. in, in government as long as they give a shit about disability. Yeah. You know, like, and I, what I will say is, firstly, get good people around you. You yeah. know, I've got a consulting firm called GSA where we educate governments and corporates and business around disability. Mm-hmm. We hire over 50 consultants and like 90% of them have a, have a disability. The other 10% are like my brother and people yeah. that, are, that have, know about it. But because people always say to me, I'll give you an example, like, you know, I want to make my supermarket, whatever, more accessible for people that are neurodiverse. So yeah. like with autism, that, what do I do? And I said, don't ask me. That's what yeah. you should do. Yeah. Ask someone who is, yeah. right? Because lived experience is key. And I don't have lived experience of being neurodiverse. I've just yeah. got my lived experience. Yeah, yeah. So having good people to get around you is so important. But all I do every day is try and make disability cool 
sexy, innovative, mm-hmm. productive, use different terms to make people want to care about it, yeah. right? And I was just lucky that, you know, we came up with some good ideas that people wanted to get behind, whether it's, you know, our, our new jobs platform, the field where people with disability can match with inclusive employers. We did a, a review around the NDIS where we worked with like 2,000 different stakeholders and did it in a different way because everyone always shit cans NDIS. Yeah. The first half of our report was talking about how awesome it is. Yep. Like, for example, kids who are six years and under who have been on the NDS for more than four years have two and a half times more friends than kids who aren't. Yep. Yeah. Did you know that? No. No. I didn't no. know that. Huge stuff. You never hear about yeah. that. See how it's a different way of doing it. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. people will be like, oh, that's kind of good. And people do an incredible job in the space. Yeah. We're just trying to do it in our way and things like that. But also, I think you've got to also back yourself and understand that no matter who you are, no matter if you're the host of Batuta, me, yep. Prime Minister, we're all just people, yeah? Yeah. And you can literally call on anybody and if you've got a good idea and come from a good place, just go, I need your support here. Yep. And people will back you. And you know what? They might not. Good on them. Yep. But you've at least got to put yourself out there and have a crack. And, and I think... The most important thing is being a good person first. Yep. Way more important than being a good Australian of the year, good advocate, whatever. And I think if you are that, you know, you tend to gravitate towards people and I'm just trying to do the best, you know, that I can do. Now, we're here talking to Mr. Frankston Line himself. Tell Ellie that. Not <laughs> tell Ellie that. I remember hearing a fierce debate about that one night, late night yeah. in fucking Brunswick somewhere. Yeah. But um, you're from Melbourne, right? And one thing I'll say, we, I will say about Melbourne as a Queenslander, is one thing I love about Melbourne is getting around. You know, able-bodied, of course, but I can get anywhere in that city. Have you found that you're living in one of the more accessible cities in Australia? I mean, Sydney doesn't have that. Sydney's Sydney's a harbour city, man. Like, Sydney, <laughs> you, you've got bridges full of traffic everywhere. And Brisbane certainly does not have And it. Brisbane's a river city. We've got <laughs> these like... bends and shit. They've never, admittedly, a few more walkable bridges in Brisbane. Yeah. But, you know, Melbourne is a grid and it's a great place to live, whether you're- um, And it's flat. Uh, and it's flat. Yeah. Uh, um, is is that the vibe down there? Do you find it, it's easier doing your work down there? Yeah. I'll, before I talk about Melbourne, I, I go to Sydney quite a bit. I stay in Surrey Hills at the Ace. I was going that bad up for Vaux Street, an 80-year-old lady pushing a trolley asked if I needed help. That's how much I was struggling. And I was like, am I that unfit at the moment? What I will say is my family's all from Sydney, and yeah. um, they actually moved to Melbourne a couple of months before I was born. I was born with a tumour, I was born really sick, so all my doctors were here. So we ended up staying in Melbourne, and I'm very glad they did, because yeah. I, I, I love it. It, yeah. it is yeah. a beautiful city. You're so funny. Yes, it is very, you're right, it's flat, it's accessible. Obviously, every place has got some work to do, yeah. but yeah, it really has tried to make tram stops, you know, trains, all that kind of stuff accessible. But there's, there's two different things. Accessibility is one thing, which is the hardware, ramps, you yeah. know, elevators, whatever. What it does well is the software, which yep. is inclusion, yep. Yep. unconscious bias, discriminate. Right? But what I feel like it is a city that is very, very welcoming yep. to people mm-hmm. compared to some other cities potentially. No, look, all the cities in Australia are great. Go overseas. Yep. It's very, very different, right? And I yep. feel lucky to be from Australia. But yeah, man, I, I love Victoria. Yep. Uh, I love Melbourne. Obviously, it's the home of um, Ability Fest. And you know what? I don't mind a few cold months where I can wear a jacket. Right? Yeah. I don't want to wear a t-shirt and shorts. I get it. Yeah, it makes up for it in summer with the heat. But yeah. tell me, Ability Fest, where is the venue this year? Yeah, it's at Burrung Ma, mate. So we're very lucky that we've got a smack bang in the city. If you don't know what Ability Fest is, it's um, a music festival just like any other, like Beyond the Valley, like Splendor, like Coachella. Mm-hmm. We just have some added accessibility features so people with disability can come with their able-bodied mates and just have a good time. Things yep. like 
platforms, pathways, Auslan on stage, yep. a sensory room for those neurodiverse if they've got to recharge, yep. a guide dog relief area. You know, we try to think of absolutely everything and it's our, what is it, our fourth one, mate? We've raised over a million bucks and it's probably the thing I'm most proud of in, in our lives, what we've yep. done at the foundation, just to give that experience to people who might not normally have it in a normal, cool way and then influence other people to get involved with other festivals and stuff like that. And, mate, the fact that, you know, Visit Vic and Melbourne's backed us again to do it is, is pretty awesome, especially coming out of what's been a pretty crappy time for the industry. Yeah, I mean, I mean, one thing that is true right now, Melbourne's back. You've got the Comedy Festival about the start. You've got the Grand Prix. You've got Ability Fest. And, you know, it's distant memories, as, you know, as we said, pretty crappy time, particularly for – for musicians so not only are you giving everyone an opportunity who might not have you know been to a music festival before or never been to a music festival that was very easy to get around but you're also bringing live music back who have you got who have you got on stage at ability fest 2023 well rumor is you two are going to be in town so I'm, i don't <laughs> know we'll see what happens there but <laughs> mate we're excited we've got big acts like hilltops playing we've got, yeah. the Great. We've got broods um, we've got shouse we've got meg mac but what how cool is this? The last year's, so we have acts with disability as well. Yep. And all the money raised goes to the very crappily named Dylan Olcott Foundation. We can't change it now. And last year on stage, we gave a young kid called Cooper Smith, DJ Cooper Smith, a grant. We gave him a full DJ setup and some lessons, right? Mm-hmm. He's been getting some support from guys like Benson, The Journey, and what is a Peking Duck uh, get around him now as well. And he has played every day on that kit. And he, as a result, he's playing the main stage this year. At All right. Wow, How cool man. is that? That's um, great. But, like every single dollar raised at Ability Fest goes to the foundation. And, um, you know, please buy a ticket. Even if you can't make it, buy a ticket because it's going to a good home. But the reason we started the foundation is, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to play sport. And my brother, Zach Legend, you know, you boys have met him and he played sport as well. He got a $100 pair of footy boots. He started playing. I needed a seven thousand dollar wheelchair. Just yep. to even yeah, yep. and yeah. And you yeah. can't if you don't get that, you can't do it, right? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and that, as a result, you know, indirectly alienates you as a person with disability because you just can't get involved. Yeah. And we want to eliminate those barriers through education, uni and TAFE scholarships, through employment opportunities. We pay for people's startups. We buy them equipment. We try and do whatever we can. And we're mate. We're just trying to do our bit to support and, and whatever it is. But. The reason you should come to Ability Fest, it's just a fucking cool day. It's yep. a great day. It's going to be yep. fun. I checked the weather. It's going to be primo. I know. I yep. looked at the 14-day forecast. We're on, baby. <laughs> it's funny. You, you talk about how as Australian of the Year, you know, you're burning the candle. But I think, you know, things are on the up and up, not only for Dylan Orcott, but for Melbourne. Like, you, I cannot imagine how flat out you're going to be over the next couple of weeks. But um, it sounds like, I mean, you certainly haven't blown out. You've done well. You've kept your fitness up, mate. That's, um, mate, that's I, key. I, I never, I just went for a run. I call it a run, by the way. I'm, I'm not good. At, I know I can't, but that's what I call it. Um, and, man, I, I, I didn't. I let myself go. And it was a good lesson because I trained for 14 years every day. And then I was like, I'm just going to let myself go. Like, this is fun. And then I was like, what's wrong with me? What's, what's wrong with me? And because I wasn't training, I found my mental health was getting affected. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, I'm telling you, listen to everyone. The reason you should do a little bit of exercise, you know, a couple of times a week, it's more up here in your brain. Yeah, for than, sure. Physically, and I realised that halfway through the year, so I got back into it, mate. And and uh, yeah, I'm looking a bit trimmer, but I feel better, and that's probably the main reason. Well, you know, it's good. It's good that you recharge because you've got a big couple of weeks. Ability fest, and then are you going to get down there to the Grand Prix, mate? <laughs> I'm going to be 
hanging on the back of Max Verstappen's car. A sidecar. Yeah, like a sidecar. <laughs> mate, it's it's one of my uh, one of my favourite events. I'll be there. Yeah, Melbourne's killing it, mate. So make sure everyone gets down. It's a massive month, and uh, I know you boys have been in town. So mm-hmm. when you call me, I'm going to screen you. What was the pub you took us to? Yeah, no. So for all those people who are listening at home, the last time we had Dylan on the podcast, we recorded it out at Adam Briggs's studio out on the west side somewhere. And um, at the end of it, Dylan was like, oh, do you want to go into town and have a couple of beers? We're like, oh, that sounds great. So we go out to Dylan's car and he drives us into the city to this lovely pub and we just had these beers and there were people there who were like, what the fuck is going on? Why are these people, why are these three people in this pub at 11.30 in the morning on a Thursday having some cold pints? It was, it was locals only, remember? And, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they were like, who are these dudes? Get them out of like, these guys are suck. And we were like, get you know, guys out yeah. 11 in the morning truly is uh, locals only. Yeah. But you can do that in Melbourne, mate. It's an international city. It's oh, a 24 hour city. That's it. That's it. <laughs> uh, well, mate, thanks for jumping on. Good to hear from you. And um, it's great to catch up on all the good work you're doing. But yeah, obviously, we'll, um, yeah. we'll, we'll have to blow out down there. I know you boys like talking to other people, but let me say it. Very proud of you both. You're killing oh, it. Oh, thanks, mate. We're Marshall. very proud of you, you. too. I mean, the, the raps have only kept coming for Dylan Orcott. Did I see a cheeky little one milli on internet? Ooh, yeah, yeah, we hit, the, we hit the one mil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. If only you got a dollar per follower. <laughs> <laughs> but for all the people out there, you don't. <laughs> you don't. You should definitely don't. Nah, boys, proud of you. And you've always supported me and, and my mission. So look forward to it and I'll see you. Well, you've been easy to support, Dill. What do we call that? Dual code Paralympic gold medalist and um, Australian of the Year. And now I guess you're moving into Gadinsky areas with these uh, with Ability Fest. <laughs> That's it, yeah. I just got to get Ed Sheeran there so I get 100,000. And then I'm sorted. Then I'm sorted. Hey, um, check out Ability Fest website. Tickets still available. Can't wait to see you all there. Beauty. See you, man. See you, boys. Love you. Thanks, Dill.